Welcome to Closer to Venus. I'm Johnny Burke, and today's guest is Marv Matura. He is a musician, a practicing psychic, and author of The Five Card Pentagram Tarot. In this episode, we will be talking about how he views the tarot as the book of ancient wisdom of our humanity and as a guide to our future. Marv, welcome to the program. Thank you, Johnny. Guitar player, songwriter, psychic, and an author of a book about the tarot. So what actually came first? A musician before anything. Although I've had psychic tendencies my whole life, but it was mainly for friends and family. I just became a psychic or a practicing psychic and wrote the book during the COVID crisis. There was no places to play as a musician except at the farmer's markets where you busk, open up your case and play. And so I was doing that because as a musician, you got to play. When I was there, I thought maybe I could read a few cards and make a little extra money on the side. And from that little gem of an idea, I approached the people. They said it was a good idea to do, but I'd need a whole booth and a tent and all that kind of regalia. It wouldn't be so simple as being just there as a musician. As time went by, I decided I would try it. And then when I tried it, I started reading more about the tarot and learning more about it. Okay. And started writing the book. Eight months later, it was written and published, and I was a full-fledged practicing psychic. That question about what came first is interesting because with psychic tendencies, they do tend to manifest very early on, six, seven years old. So in this case, you actually start playing guitar after that? It sounds like you start playing afterwards. I would have started playing guitar when I was about seven or eight years old. Been doing it ever since. Pretty close. Yeah, pretty close. Right. Yeah. What drew you to the tarot as opposed to shamanism or any number of things that are in that mystical realm? The cards themselves, I find very intriguing and they're very universal and way to tell fortunes. And telling fortunes is one aspect of being a psychic that can provide you a little bit of monetary help, I guess, in your life, which is not the main reason for doing it for certain. But the utility of the cards was the first force to push me in that direction. I can read palms. I can do other things too. And the cards, just the practicality of them was what made me want to write this book and research them more deeply and involve myself in the tarot. What were some of your early psychic experiences? Willow stick. So that's where it all began. And then I started reading some material about card reading and palm reading. I was interested in that in my early 20s. And I discovered mm -hmm. that I could do it with a regular card deck. So I wasn't originally doing it with tarot cards. I was reading fortunes for people at parties with a regular card deck using the layouts that I had learned and the information about the tarot that is transferable to a regular card deck because they are similar. The regular card deck is a child of the full-blown tarot deck. So you had some experiences when you were young, so it came naturally to you. Your what? grandfather taught you how to find water underground or underground wells. Yeah, he was what was called in the language that he was from, Ukrainian, a water witch. That's the kind of the translation that it comes to. So he was able to find water for all the people around the settlement area where he settled in Western Canada. He was also a healer and he could dispatch evil spirits and spells like that too. He was into a little bit of that stuff. It sounds like that's in your bloodline then, right? Your grandfather? Yeah. Did your parents display any type of psychic ability? My mom is, is quite psychic. Long line through the family, yeah. So did that help your abilities? Do you think they would have just developed anyway? 
they help the abilities blossom. They're innate and it's like any other talent, you have it, but you need to work it too to maximize it. I'd be the first one to say I'm blessed musically. A lot of musicians also have psychic abilities, especially songwriters, because you're tuning into the same kind of vibration that's in underground water and the vibration of the entire universe mm -hmm. and then the vibration of our own bodies, our minds. I'm a musician and I'm definitely not psychic, not as far as I know anyway. Everybody has psychic abilities. It depends how much you have. I believe everybody does have it. I hear that more and more, but I've also been told that we have them. Some people will, will go as far as to say, as a civilization, we had them thousands and thousands of years ago where things like telepathy were normal and everybody had them. But nowadays, it's as if they've been pretty much switched off or they do switch off at about seven or eight years old. And we have them, they're just latent. And some people have them closer to the surface than others. I agree with that, yeah. Okay. My grandfather, for example, showed my brother and sister certain techniques of, that he knew, especially with finding water, and they couldn't do it. Whereas I found it just so easy. And he taught me how to do it and what to listen for. He was pretty amazing. He could tell you how deep it was and what kind of water it was. Really? Yeah. And they called him a water witch. Water right? witch, yeah. How do you conduct a reading on your own from the cards? Can you give us an example? It's very straightforward. You engage with the person that you're engaging with, get them to relax, get into the flow, and shuffle the cards. It's usually good to have a sort of ritual that you do this at. Say, if you're drawing five cards, shuffle the card deck five times. But there's no hard and fast rule about that. You draw a card. And the vibrations between the person who asked the question and myself and the deck bring up a card that that person needs to hear at that particular time. And then myself as a reader, I read the card according to what I see psychically and what the card represents metaphysically through the ages. Because the beauty of the tarot deck is there's 78 cards. It covers the human condition so well in so many ways. So one of those cards is definitely going to be what that person needs to hear about their life at that particular time or into the future. It's going to show something about the human condition that will either be in the past or in the present, depending on what the question is and where you're pulling it out into the shape or the layout that you have. I find it, it's almost inexplicable, but the right card gets pulled at the right time and it's exactly what they need to hear at that time. Now, the vibrations that you get from the sitter, right? That informs which card is drawn or which card they pick. How does that work? Yeah. I would say it's very similar to what, what's happening with water when the willows is pulling it down. Where there's water underneath, there's electricity. As Tesla said, the universe is energy, frequency, vibration. And there's something there that is a vortex of energy, if you will, that takes the magic of the moment and puts it into that kind of focus that needs to be there. And I guess as a reader, as a psychic, you have a, a ability to pull that down and enter into that unseen world. Unseen world. Okay. So you are a practicing psychic. Do you also consider yourself a medium or not necessarily? Oh, I'm definitely a medium. Yeah. A psychic is a medium. Okay. Yeah. You are a medium for the energy. You are in tune with a greater reality of the universe than, say, your average person. Is it fair to assume that all mediums are psychic, but not all psychics are mediums? Great question. Yes. Right. Okay. I know there's exceptions, but that does tend to come out quite a bit. That's what I've been told anyway. All mediums are psychic, but not all psychics are mediums. Psychics can read energy, but not all of them can communicate with the dead. Correct. In your work with the tarot, do you communicate with spirit guides, either your own or those of the sitter? 
No. Sometimes it's that of the sitter, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's their own spirit guides. That's a very fair assessment to that, yes. Yeah. Right. Have you had any experience with them outside of your work? Yes, I have. Now, is it kind of like choosing a radio station or frequency? You have to be very, very careful when you enter into those zones where the spirits are because not all of them are beneficial. In the astral plane, it's filled with energy and vibrations, and again, not all good. There's polarization everywhere in the universe, fact of life. Those that in the craft called the left-hand path is very dangerous, and I wouldn't recommend anybody to go there. Okay. I know there's a left-hand path, and then there's the right... That's just a saying. It's the left, the left path. If you think of it like this, like when you say to somebody, have a nice day, you, you are in fact putting a vibration out there, a positive vibration, and it, it's like ripples in a creek. It keeps going. If you curse somebody, it's the same thing. It just is the opposite of, hey, have a great day. But if you look at somebody and curse them, literally, you're in a small level engaging in very, very powerful energy, negative energy mm-hmm. that can rebound on you. It always does. Curses always come back twice, three times is what you have, especially people who get into that kind of thing. And it's maybe the most cowardly kind of curse you can do once you get into this psychic realm and the psychic mediums and things like that that are out there. You have to be very, very strong. I wouldn't recommend it as something that people should do recreationally. I did for many, many years, but then now that I'm into it full time, it's different because you do get much closer to it contact. From what I'm told, it's not for the neophyte. Every type of intuitive I've interviewed has stressed the need for protection. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be very careful traveling forward. You need to be well informed. First of all, it's not for somebody who thinks that you can buy a tarot deck and and play around with it. It's not recommended. Of course. What are the parallels between tarot readings and mediumship readings? I know mediumship readings mostly are for those that are grieving. They're trying to contact their deceased relative or friend. But other than that, are they similar or where does the similarity actually stop? The tarot deck does frame things in a way that can be more easily handled, I would say. I'm not that experienced with doing past lives and going into other realms in the astral plane. That's not where I want to be. The basic difference is the safety of the cards because you're dealing just with the medium of the the card reader and your questions. It's a very much less dangerous mm-hmm. to tie into the universal vibrations of that realm. When you go beyond that, you get into dangerous realms. You mentioned the astral plane earlier. Yeah. And you are a musician. How is that related to the astral plane and to your work with the tarot? How is it related, if at all? <laughs> That's a really great question. Everything is related. When you live your life like that, you are very in tune with vibrations of the universe. You know it when you're playing your music and you just be carried away. Like, are you a lead guitar player by chance? I don't really play anymore, but yeah, I was. You know when when there are times when you are selfless, you've changed your internal vibration. It seems like the most horribly selfish thing to do to play guitar and be showing off and all that. But the truth is when you get into that zone, there is no ego. There is no anything. The best kind of playing is when the astral planes are playing through you, if I can use that expression. I feel that too as a card reader. The best readings are the ones when I just become nothing. I'm part of that. I practice that. I learn it. It's all those things that become you mm-hmm. because you're not fully formed here on this planet. You have to learn stuff. You have to practice and you have to get better and better at it and you never stop learning. Those moments of flow, those moments of heightened awareness, those moments of Zen, when everything makes sense, are very similar to what the painter feels, the 
fighter feels on the field when he refuses to surrender. And when you're working and you're going to work that extra bit, you've had enough, but you keep going and you find that in you to do it. A similar kind of feeling when you get to that point of egoless, similar to the Eastern religions, thinking to the point of not thinking. There's a way to make that clear. It's kind of hard, but there is a point of the transcendence of this particular plane that you're on. Myself as a teacher, as a musician, or as a psychic, even like what we're doing right now, I'm somewhat engaging you to transcend who you are right now. If you leave this conversation and you feel the same as you were when you started it, I haven't done my job. I haven't pushed you into some new way of thinking, some new realm. Everything is verbal. It's a word. There's a reason why the Bible starts with that. Mm -hmm. The word is very much the vibration, the original vibration. Think about when you learn a new word, what that does to your mind. It's, it's a similar kind of thing to when you learn a new concept. And a concept is always framed by a word. You brought up a really good point <laughs> about trying to raise the vibe. You mentioned that if I hit the stop button and I close down my computer and I don't feel any different, you didn't do your job. I tend to feel the same way where I'm really pushing for something to really uncover some kind of truth. The questions that yeah. people have, they're all the same. It's not like there's 897 <laughs> questions. And there's a handful of existential yes. questions. And sometimes I feel like I have to really push that person to go a little bit deeper to really find those answers, or even for myself, learning what questions to bring up next time. Because I learn a little bit from everybody mm -hmm. that comes on to Closer to Venus, and hopefully other people get the same thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. As a musician or as a psychic, music is the fundamental vibration of the universe, the music of the spheres. It's not an accident at all that musicians tend to be more psychic than your average population. And there have been studies that have shown that too. Let's talk about the book, The Five-Card Pentagram Tarot. When did you know it was time to write it? What were the main inspirations? During that time when I was transitioning to become a practicing psychic and I was reading lots of books about the tarot, honing my practice up, and I realized that there are two types of books about the tarot. There's the ones that are really simple and they don't give a lot of information to the querent, and then there's the ones that are really difficult and they probably give too much. So I saw a need, as, as practical as the scenes, mm -hmm. I saw a need for a book that was in the middle mm -hmm. that would give really great information to somebody who was seeking it, but not overwhelm them with too much detail about every card in, in the deck and the history. So I stuck to a single layout to keep things simple. So it's the five-card pentagram layout. So everything in the book is just about that particular layout, although there's transfer to other parts of the book. You can use the tarot deck in my book as a self-help guide for looking into your life. That's where I see that the book has value. It's a book very much part of me and all my learning and what I know about life. When you read each essay is the same for each card, about three paragraphs long. When you read that, I hope you get transformed and you read what you need to hear at that particular moment about what your life is about to become. The five-card layout is not about your past life. It's not about 10 years down the road. There's other layouts for those kind of questions. Mm -hmm. The five-card layout picks one card from each part of the deck and you lay it out in the classic pentagram style and it gives you a card for your spirit, a card for your health, a card for your money, a card for your love, and a card for your mind. So it's a very comprehensive reading that you can do for yourself and look at your whole self at this particular time. Where are you spiritually? Where are you health-wise? Where are you physically needing some advice? Each card has lore, uh, those parts of the human condition. So like there's 14 cards about your health and those 14 cards cover 
a wide span of what the human health can be. You've been giving up, you're, you'd be feeling no energy at all because you're so depressed and lonely. You could be feeling exuberance of energy because you're just starting something brand new and you just feel like leaping off the page. There's a card for that. There's 22 cards. The most important card is the spirit card or the trump card. There's 22 cards in, in the trumps. The only one that's left in a regular deck is the joker. Did you say trump card? Yeah. That's what they're called. No offense. I know. I know. And maybe we could switch out the trump card for the joker and... <laughs> Look, we could call them the, the arcanas. Arcana means mystery. And there's the major mysteries and the minor mysteries. There's 22 cards in the spiritual journey that start with the joker... Mm -hmm. And they go all the way up to the universe, the most highest awareness. In different parts of your life, your spiritual journey will be at different parts at these 22 steps. I've been just reading more about the Kabbalists lately and the Jewish alphabet of 22 cards and how the tarot is really just a reflection of many parts of the Kabbalistic literature. You're saying there's a parallel between the tarot and the Kabbalah? Oh, yeah. The tarot is very much influenced by the Kabbalists, you know, philosophy of the tree of life, all the sephirah, the stones of knowledge and stuff like that, that are part of that Jewish tradition, the mystical part of the Jewish faith. The Kabbalists, in their work, they did at one point actually believe in reincarnation, and then that movement just kind of faded into history. There's also the Trinity in the tree of life. The Trinity, instead of the tri-headed God, Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, that goes back prior to the Christian age. I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me vehemently on that, but it's been around since Hermes. It's been around since the Egyptians transferred all these times. There's a reason for it, even though it still sort of evades most people's knowledge or ability to comprehend that. I'm definitely not a theologian, <laughs> but I know several people that would really just tear into that. Oh, it's fascinating. Interesting stuff. I, I like to see how many of these things are connected. I didn't know anything about the Kabbalah and having some kind of connection or influence on the tarot. I always thought it was more than a parlor game, but like the Ouija board, it's not a toy. It's not anything that you should really play with. Speaking of the tarot, there are different layouts for different questions. So yes. do people come to you and they ask questions about past lives or future lives or yes. how many different layouts are there? There's no end to the number of layouts that are possible. Yeah. Okay. There are the basic ones that get used. There's a layout for the past lives. There's layouts for the present life. There's, there's layouts for the present life. There's layout for the far future, the current problems. Yeah. That's the beauty of the tarot. When you do those readings, when people have questions about past lives, are you reading their energy or are you just connecting to something in the unseen world? How does that work? The cards provide the guideposts for the seeing of the energies that are needed to be told at that time. The more I do this, the less I need the cards. It seems that the card that gets pulled, I know what it's going to be before it gets pulled. Almost nine times out of ten. Really? And again, being very, very familiar with the cards and what they all mean and what the journey of life is about and how they represent an amazing, robust picture of the human condition. At the outset of this episode, I did mention that you described the tarot as a book of yes. ancient wisdom of our humanity. It's part of the universe and it's also a guide to our future. Yeah, in symbolic form. What else do our listeners need to know about the tarot? I believe it goes way back, perhaps even the Atlanteans or even beyond that. You've heard all this thing, the hidden in plain sight. And because they didn't want this knowledge that goes back probably right to the green tables of Hermes, now that I, I understand that a little better, different mm -hmm. political viewpoints and stuff would like to squash different ideas and stuff like that of the freedom of what the universe is because they have their own version and... They don't want that full-blown version, let's say. 
So to hide the book, the book of knowledge of the nature of humanity and the nature of the universe from those who would destroy it, it becomes symbolic. The 78 pages that were written down at some point in our history by these ancient societies that Plato was a part of too, the Pythagorean societies, all the way back to the Egyptians to the Hermes and Toth. The book becomes understandable to a select group of people who have it. It's very utilized again for fortune telling, but that's not the main thing that it was meant for. The book was to teach us history by these ancient societies, to teach us about ourselves, the nature of our spirit, the nature of our health and how everything's tied together in the vibration of the universe and the truth about humanity, the truth about God, the truth about our purpose here. The more I deal with the tarot cards and I see into them, I see the, the layers of complexity into those pages, uh, kind of like a Bible, for lack of a better word, but a beautiful book of what it means to be human and answer those questions that bug us as humans. Why are we here? Why am I sick? Why am I suffering? Why am I happy? What's the purpose of life? And these secret societies have kept this secrets. I don't know if you know the Masons or not, as it goes up in the higher levels of Masonry, you're back into the tarot. You're back into the secrets. And not everybody can handle the secrets. That's the thing, right? So the secret societies are there to withhold information from people who would use it in a bad way. My book has about 800 word essay on each card. My new book, they're more like 3,500 words per card, going deeper into the symbolic meaning. And so the 78 compendium of symbols and magic, and it's still magic for me to take that deck and pull a card. And that's exactly what that person needs to hear at that particular time. It provides that guidepost. Mm -hmm. As a practicing psychic, you know about that and you engage in this secret mystery of our existence. I think my book itself is a very cursory kind of thing that can help people because I really think the tarot should be there to help people. There's nothing bad about the tarot cards. I always start my readings with saying that there is no bad card. You can just get the card you need at that time in your life to carry through and learn and move on. If I understood you, some of the secret societies held back knowledge like this because they didn't want people to use it for the wrong yes. purpose. I never heard that before, but... And for people to destroy it. Say somebody who's a leader and with destructive tendencies, that book would be cards, so it's not going to be burned by the Nazis. If you want to destroy a culture, you don't. it's not bombs that does it. It's books are still that way. The word carries on and uh, can be used very negatively, very positively too. And in certain prophecies, the mankind's not humankind. Humankind's not ready for that yet. At such time as when we're ready, ancient knowledge will be revealed. And I think on an individual level, that happens to people like myself when they indulge in what I've done over the last couple of years. I'm very grateful that I've done it because it certainly has expanded my view of everything from the sun, the moon, to the stars, the vibration, to a drop of water on a leaf. There is a real complexity about the tarot with the history and its uses. As you say, you're actually writing a second yep. book. The five-card pentagram tarot, is that available through your website? Yes, it's on my website and Amazon and every bookseller out there. Marbs, thanks for coming on to the show. Very, very interesting stuff on the tarot. Maybe there is a part two in the future. How can our listeners find you online? Universe psychic.com i will put that in show notes and the transcript you've been listening to closer to venus i'm johnny burke if you enjoyed today's episode please consider subscribing you can also leave us a review on itunes as well for more info please go to closer to venus.com thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next time